Welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one glorious page of Talmud every day. And in today's page, Yoma 3, well, we get right down to the hard stuff. Have a listen. Rabbi Yochanan said to Reish Lakish, Rather, from where do you, Master, derive the halacha of sequestering before Yom Kippur? Reish Lakish said to him, I derive it from Sinai, as it is written, and the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered him, Vayechasehu, six days, and he called to Moses on the seventh day from the midst of the cloud. The masculine suffix hu in Vayechasehu can be interpreted either as him, referring to Moses, or as it, referring to the mountain. Now, since it states, and he called to Moses on the seventh day, what is derived from the previous explicit mention of six days? These six days are mentioned as a paradigm from which a general principle is derived that anyone who enters the camp of the divine presence, the site of the revelation at Mount Sinai, or the place where the divine presence rests, the Holy of Holies, requires prior sequestering for six days of sanctification. Now, none of us have the pleasure and the privilege anymore of entering into the Holy of the Holies or Mount Sinai, and I don't really know about where the divine presence rests or doesn't, but this notion of sequestering ourselves, of having to, if you will, quarantine alone for our sake and for the sake of others has been kind of a major theme of the last year, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show Anya Lichtenstein, an edtech professional living in New York, who is here to help us shed light on this very familiar condition. Hello, Anya. Hi, Leo. How are you? I am very well, but I want to know a lot more about the state of being, about quarantining alone, about sequestering for six or 10 or 60 or 200 days for sanctification, edification, health, and other purposes. Tell me about it. Well, let's start in December of 2019, which was a couple months before the pandemic hit. I had already been working remotely for a little bit under a year, and I decided that I was never going to spend another full winter in New York City. I was going to become a snowbird at age almost 30. And I spent the month of December down in Mexico City. And that was my first time ever living alone. And I realized all of these things about myself that I never realized beforehand, that I really thrived living alone, that I was more in touch with, to use maybe a little bit of a woo-woo term, my more authentic self in that I didn't have to put an outward face to the world or a facet to other people that I was living with immediately. And I learned a lot about myself. And I started to think and hatch a plan about how I could get to the point where I could live permanently by myself in New York City. Cut to March 2020. My roommates, both of them, are moving home to their parents' apartments for an indefinite amount of time. And all of a sudden, I have this expanse before me of an undefined amount of time living alone by myself. And not only that, but living alone by myself without much contact with the outside world. I couldn't go 
work from a cafe for the day to do some people watching and very basic transactional interaction with other human beings. And I'm thinking, I don't know, can I really stomach this? It was the first year that I was maybe going to be celebrating Passover without my family. How are all of these parts of my life that were traditionally communal going to be done totally solo? And I started making routine a more important part of my life than ever. So every single morning I would wake up, I would do some form of meditation, some form of stretching or yoga or exercise, watch an episode of television while sipping my coffee and just have a full one and a half to two hours to myself every single day before starting work. That was one of the most grounding practices I could have ever initiated in a time of crisis when so much felt out of my control. And so when you are all of a sudden in this sort of upside down world, I mean, this has been quite the ordeal for many of us and and definitely strange and uncharted territory for all of us. But I'm drawn to this line from today's stuff that actually the sequestering was required to achieve the sense of, of holiness. Was there a point in which you are sitting there and and finally have all this time to be attuned to your own feelings? Was there ever a sense of inner balance and calm because you finally actually had space to to listen to you? If holiness is a metaphor or in any real kind of practical way in our lives akin to self-actualization or finding some level of peace within oneself, absolutely I achieved that throughout the length of the quarantine. I realized that, and I think a lot of people have, from cultural currents, from family dynamics, a strain of codependency where everyone in a unit is used to managing and controlling for the feelings of people outside of them. And I just think it's rampant. I think that it's a fact of the way a lot of us were raised in modern times, and being at home with yourself for a period of time really allows you to recenter, reconnect what are my most immediate needs and higher needs and needs beyond that. And of course, some of those are going to eventually be social. But when you can first do the internal work on yourself, I think you can achieve a level of holiness, a level of self-actualization that's only going to make you better and more ready for the task at hand, which for a lot of us, I think, was re-entering society to some degree last summer when we were all able to spend more time outside and God willing, once we're all able to get vaccinated, emerge back into a regularly operating society. Amen. Anya, thank you so much for being our guest. You're so welcome. This was fun. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz, and our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman-Ader, and Robert Scarmuccia. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter 
at Take One Daf Yomi, or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.